Um, John in chapter 12, if you will, tonight. John in chapter 12, we're going to conclude this series. Uh, it's a four-week series we've been going through in John chapter 12. I've entitled the series, The Best of All Places. And we saw Mary, of course, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Uh, we saw uh, she was known by learning the secret of his person, his purpose, and passion. Uh, we saw Martha was known for what she did at Jesus, serving at the feet of Jesus. And then last week we talked about Judas being known for surveying at the feet of Jesus, uh, what he could get out of Jesus. Tonight we're going to look at Lazarus. Lazarus was saved at the feet of Jesus. One thing I love about Lazarus is he was known for what Jesus did for him. May we be a church of people here tonight that's known for one thing, what Jesus did for us. I think we'll see tonight a young man who really didn't seem to have any talent, any special ability, didn't have necessarily uh, a strong presence. He was just a man who Jesus Christ chose to use him to die and then raise him from the dead and impact hundreds of Jews that would come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And tonight you may feel like you're ill-equipped. You may feel like you're all alone. You may feel like you stutter, you stammer, you struggle. You feel like you're not who you need to be or not what you want to be. But I'm telling you tonight, if you let Jesus get a a hold of your soul, he could do amazing things through you. And tonight we want to see a man who rests in his identity with Jesus. And I think it's very adequate as we wrap up this series tonight. John chapter 12, verse 1, if you found it, you could stand to your feet tonight. We'll just read a few verses, give you one last opportunity to stretch. We're going to read verses 1 and then verses 9 through 11 tonight. The Bible says there in John 12, Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. And then verse 9, much people, of course, if you remember, we talked about Mary and how she poured the ointment on Jesus' feet. And then Judas, scary, got the kind of disciples behind him and was kind of mocking her a little bit and questioning her. We, we learned why last week. He had selfish gains. And then Jesus said, leave her alone. And then in verse 9, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you again for loving us. You certainly are a great God. Lord, what a great day you've given us. Lord, represented in this room is hundreds of people who served. I mentioned that this morning. I believe there's over 80 ladies or that serve in our nursery alone or the choir was packed, the orchestra, or our site churches, or our bus ministry, our teens, our children, or all over people were serving today and some because of that weren't able to be in the morning service, but now they're here tonight. Or you've brought guests our way tonight. You've brought people who maybe couldn't come this morning, but they're here. Or those tuning in online. Lord, I don't take that lightly, that they would make a special effort to be here again tonight. And Lord, I pray that your word will be preached, and you know my limitations. You know my frailties. You know my 
my, my flesh, but, but I hope you also know my heart. And I pray that you'll open wide my mouth and may you flow through it. May your word be powerful. Uh, may it show us, Lord, what we need to learn tonight. And I pray you'll help us, Lord, in a great way, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. You will not always be able to do for Jesus what you can do today. I remember years ago, a dear couple came to our church and they moved there and they found out kind of what we believe and where we stood for and they they aligned with that and they wanted to come. And the first thing he said was, Pastor, I've led singing. My wife's played the piano at every church we've been to. And we're not going to do it here. And I said, really? Well, for six months we hadn't had a piano player. And uh, we had acapella and we just rolled with it. It wasn't but a few weeks later that gentleman came up to me and said, Well, I lied to you, Pastor. I'm going to do lead music if you have me. And his wife started playing the piano for many years. Uh, uh, They were able to do that and what a blessing they were. But he knew his time was coming to an end and he could not serve like he once did. Martha was known for her accomplishments, we talked about. Mary, her attitude. She was at the feet of Jesus and Judas, of course, had aspirations, but Lazarus was simply what Jesus had did for him. If you remember the story of John chapter 11, we find that Lazarus was in Bethany and he was the brother of Mary and Martha. These three siblings were the disciples of Jesus, really became very close to Jesus. And then in verse number five, we see an urgent message came from Bethany to Jesus saying his friend Lazarus had become ill. And Mary and Martha desperately wanted Jesus to come and to heal him. But unfortunately, for whatever reason unknown to Mary and Martha and the disciples, Jesus hesitated on going. Now we know the rest of the story and we know why he hesitated, but they were puzzled. He said that the illness would not lead to death, but instead it would lead to God's glory. Jesus stayed two days longer, even though he had received this urgent message, and finally made his way over that way. And it was the very area where the, the, where the Jews had sought to stone him in verses 5 through 8 of chapter 11. But during this delay of two days, we see that Lazarus uh, uh, died. Of course, Jesus referred to him as asleep, and the disciples responded in verse 12, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. In other words, physical sleep will help them get better. And oftentimes, the best remedy for for poor health is sleep. And so they said that. And of course, Jesus told them plainly that if Lazarus had died, they were still going to go see him. Thomas, of course, is frustrated as all the disciples. And he says in verse 16, let us also go that we may die with him. He knew that Jesus was resolute. But in verse number 8, it was very clear that it was very dangerous where they were going. When they arrived to Lazarus' hometown in Bethany, they found Martha and Mary grief-stricken, which, of course, was totally natural. Their brother had died. They had buried their brother four days earlier. And Jesus had not come to help. Mary and Martha were confused. They were frustrated. But yet their faith in Jesus was still intact. And may I say tonight, in verses 17 through 36, we see this, But even though you're frustrated and even though you're confused, may it not let your faith become not intact. Even in the frustrating times of life, and they will come, and there are many, 
even in the confusion in times of life, may our faith not be shaken. May we be solid on Jesus Christ and trusting him. Everything became clear when Jesus did the unexpected. In verses 43 and 44, he went to Lazarus' tomb and raised him from the dead. What an exciting thing that was. The entire episode of Lazarus' sickness and death and restoration to life worked toward giving God the glory and increasing the faith of Jesus' followers. In fact, in verses 41 and 42, Jesus says, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me, and I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. There was a whole reason for Jesus doing this. Verse 45 Many of the Jews which came to Mary had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. Jesus orchestrated this whole thing. And after Lazarus was raised from the dead, the chief priests and Pharisees plotted to kill Jesus. But then we see in our text today in verses 9 through 11, they wanted to kill more than just Jesus. They wanted to kill Lazarus as well. But what they didn't realize, maybe or they had forgotten, that Lazarus had already died once. And Jesus has raised him from the dead, so in Lazarus' mind, maybe Jesus can do it again. But we see that the, the Jews were very upset. When I mean the Jews here, I mean the, the Pharisees, uh, the religious rulers. Of course, there was other Jews, lay people, who were, were curious in coming to faith in Christ. And Lazarus really becomes the, 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 the important piece of our text tonight. But he does absolutely nothing. And Jesus uses him in a great way. And I want us to see three ways tonight Lazarus was known for what Jesus did for him. And just three simple points. First of all, we see through Lazarus's unspoken testimony. Unspoken testimony. In verse number 9, the Bible says, Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And if you're there in John chapter 12, you'll see five different crowds of people here that are observing Lazarus here uh, being targeted by the Jewish leaders. And we see the first one is in verse number 9. The Bible says in John chapter 12, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake, but they, they, may not see, they might see a, a Judah, uh, um, they might see uh, 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 Lazarus also. So we see a crowd from Jerusalem in verse number 17 we see people who witnessed Lazarus' revival. The Bible says the people, therefore, that was with them when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. So there was a crowd uh, from Jerusalem. There was people who witnessed Lazarus being raised from the dead, of course, the chapter before. But then there's a large crowd of pilgrims making their way to the annual Passover. In verse number 12, it says, on the next day, much people that were come to the feast. And then in verse number 18, it says, for this cause, the people also met him for that they had heard that he had done this miracle. And then verse 29, the people, therefore, that stood by and heard it. And then in verse number 34, it says the people answered him. So we see a crowd from Jerusalem, the people who had witnessed Lazarus being risen from the dead. We see a large, large crowd of, of pilgrims. But also in verse number 20, we see some Greeks. The Bible says and there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. So there were some Greeks there. And we see these Greeks also mentioned in Acts 6 and Acts chapter 9. We won't go there tonight. But we see these, these Greeks were interested and wanted to hear more. And we see later they become God 
God-fearers. And, of course, Paul sees many of them accept Christ, as we've already gone through in the first and second missionary journeys. But we see a crowd here of, of potentially Hellenistic Jews. And then we see in chapter 12, verse 42, the last group. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. And so we see many rulers who believed in him. This is a very important section of this chapter. Many groups of people are here, many crowds here, and they're watching Jesus. They're watching Lazarus. And God, Jesus had orchestrated all this in chapter 11 for one reason, that many people would go and receive him. Could you imagine being Lazarus? You have no idea Jesus is going to use you to do this. Any volunteers tonight who want to die and have Jesus raise them from the dead? You know, Could you imagine? Jesus, I'm sure, and asked Lazarus ahead of time and said, Lazarus, here's what I'm going to do. Now, don't tell your sisters. Okay, I need this to play out perfectly. No. He picked Lazarus for whatever reason, and he had an end goal and a larger purpose, and he was going to use Lazarus to it. The problem is Lazarus didn't have to do anything. He just had to fall in love with Jesus Christ. And may I say once again tonight that we don't have to really do anything for God. But if we'll just fall in love with him and follow him, it's amazing what God can do through us. And so we see in John chapter 11 and verse 57, we see there's uh, some, uh, uh, the, the crowd of Jews were encouraged to come and tell the, the, the Sadducees and the religious rulers where Jesus was. The Bible says, now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. And so many of the Jews were looking for him, but of these five groups of people, this large crowd of people, not one of them went to the Pharisees and said, hey, we found Jesus. We found Lazarus. It's interesting here how though Jesus uh, 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 was doing this great miracle, the Pharisees still weren't getting what they wanted. And it just goes to show that Jesus is in control. And, and he controls the, the ocean. He controlled the sea and the tumult. He was in charge when Jonah ran, and he provided the well. May I say today, no matter what God's called us to do, we can trust him, and he's in control. Now, these Jews are not all hostile to Jesus. We see that in John six forty one. The Jews then murmured at him. So we see there's Jews that were against Jesus and those who were searching him. The Bible says they came not for Jesus' sake only. They came to see the miracle man. But they may, that they might see Lazarus also, verse number 9, whom he had raised from the dead. Their purpose was to see with their own eyes. As the saying goes, seeing is believing. But what is Lazarus doing in all this? He is clear, irrefutable evidence of the miracle-producing power of Jesus. The fact is he was as alive and one of the greatest witnesses to ever be used of God. But he did nothing. So what about us tonight? Should we imitate Lazarus? Should we let God change our life and not say anything? Well, 1 Peter 3.15 helps us with that. I know some would like to have that happen. I'll give my life to Christ and never have to say anything again. But the Bible says, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. So it is true, our resurrected life should be a witness to the loss. I know a lot of people that allow their resurrected life to be the only witness for Christ they have. But may I say the rest of the verse is still in the Bible. And be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. 
So our resurrected life should be a witness to the lost, amen? But our righteous lips should also be a witness to the lost. And that's why we hear the good reports from the jail services and the soul winning attempts and the follow-up and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ when our teens are able to go out and so many different areas of ministry we go to see. Why? Because we're not just living the way we need to be. We're also sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. There is a saying which is not true that says something like, preach the gospel daily with your life and if necessary, use words. And may I say tonight, we must be willing to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. While your godly life may be an opportunity for the presentation of the gospel, the fact is the gospel absolutely must be spoken, listened to, received, believed, if the recipient is to be saved. May I say tonight, I've, I've heard, and, and I know my wife's grandma uh, is in heaven today, but she's a testimony of watching TV and hearing uh, Billy Graham give the salvation message, and she came to Christ. May I say tonight, all throughout this building, there's people who got saved from all different walks of life. But I think one thing was always common. They heard someone talk about Jesus. May we be very adamant. Or may, we be, uh, uh, may we be very uh, busy about living for the Lord, but also sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's interesting that... Lazarus was an unspoken testimony. God chose to use him. But second of all, I want us to see his undeniable testimony. His undeniable testimony. Verse number 10. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. What a contrast. The word but there. The chief priest contrasted the many that came and believed. Some wanted to hear about Jesus. Others wanted to put Jesus to death. John 11, verse 53. Then from that day forth, they took counsel together for to put him to death. And so Jesus, therefore, walked no more openly among the Jews. But yet the Jews came to seek him out, as we just saw. John MacArthur says he was undeniable testimony to the Lord's messianic claims. A resurrected man was also an embarrassment to the Sadducees. Since they denied resurrection of the dead, they needed Jesus to die because they had said in Matthew 22, verse 23, that you couldn't rise from the dead. The same day came to him the Sadducees in Matthew 22, which say there is no resurrection. Jesus has says, one day I'll rise up. And the Sadducees says, no one can resurrect. And they needed Jesus to die because he was proving them wrong with Lazarus. It is interesting that Caiaphas, Leon Morris says, said in chapter 11, verse 50, it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and that the whole nation perish not. What's interesting here is that one person wasn't enough, as I mentioned earlier. They didn't just want Jesus to die. Now they wanted Lazarus died. As one person said, thus does evil grow. Isn't that the truth? Evil can always and always will grow. Verse 48, they wanted to remove the evidence. They had fear and they had jealousy. The Bible says if, of John chapter 11, if we let him thus alone, all men will believe on him. Could you imagine hearing that? If we, if we leave him alone, then all men will hear. 
We've got to do something about this. And the Romans shall come and take away both our place and nation. So we see the Jews, the Jewish leaders were, were startled. They were scared. They were worried that, 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 that their whole house of cards would come tumbling down if Jesus came out a little bit more and all people turned to him. They're worried. They're fearful. Spurgeon said, when men hate Christ, they also hate those whom he has blessed and will go to any lengths in seeking to silence their testimony. Isn't that the truth in our day and age? It seems like the more and more we fall in love with Christ, the more and more the world hates us. That's no different than what's here. The enemies of Christ couldn't deny the miracle. The next best thing, though, was to destroy the evidence. But they couldn't stop the truth from spreading. And here Lazarus has an unspoken, unspoken testimony, but he also has an undeniable testimony. He's not done a single thing. But then third of all, we see his unbelievable testimony in verse number 11. Because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Why was Lazarus' life in jeopardy? Because of him. Many of the Jews went away. In other words, that tense there is imperfect. It means to withdraw. And they were literally leaving the synagogues. They were leaving the grasp of the Sadducees and the Pharisees. They were leaving the, 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 the influence of the religious leaders only to go and find the true Jesus. The true Christ. The true gospel. These are lay people, not Jewish leaders. They noticed their belief was not in a miracle they had witnessed, but they were starting to believe not just in a miracle, but in the man Jesus, God, who had performed the miracle. May I say today, God may use things in your life to draw you to him, but once you come to know Christ, that's all that matters. And so we see believing pistachio in the Greek is the imperfect tense, signifying one after another expressed belief in Jesus. This is a consistent, continuing thing, an alarming thing for the Jewish leaders. To believe in the Greek means to consider something to be true and therefore worthy of one's trust, genuine or real. It means to place one's confidence and to trust, express reliance on, so they weren't just, this wasn't just a fad. They weren't just going to hear Jesus now. No, no. They were forsaking all that they had been taught and learned in the synagogues. And now they were following holy Jesus Christ. May I say today, when you give your life to Christ and you truly are converted and you give, you seek after, you seek after Christ and you leave the world behind me, the cross before me. And that's what's happening here. W.E. Vine defines belief as consisting of a firm conviction which produces full acknowledgement of God's revelation of truth. It's a personal surrender to truth. And it's a conduct inspired by and consistent with that surrender. We see this belief is changing these people. They're, they're, they're all in. They're bought in. This is, this is who we are now. We're following Jesus and, and we don't care what, what happens. We, we know we found the truth. And therefore, they were losing the grasp. And when a man obeys God, he gives the possible evidence that in his heart, he, he, the only possible evidence that in his heart he believes God. And they were so worried that a mass movement was the result. It's almost like this was a great revival. May I say tonight, you may not always be able to do for Jesus what you can today. But Lazarus was not known for his accomplishment as Martha was. 
He wasn't known for his attitude as Mary was, his aspirations as Judas was. He was simply known for what Jesus did for him. Church, I want to encourage you tonight that you only have to be known for one thing, what Jesus has done for you. Years ago, there was a lady named Dottie Rambo. Perhaps you've heard of her. She was born in Latrell, Madisonville, Kentucky. During the Great Depression, she grew up in poverty and learned to play guitar while listening to WSM Radio in Nashville. At the age of eight, she started writing songs while sitting on a creek bank near her Kentucky home. She grew to excel as a singer, as a songwriter, and greatly influenced the world of Christian music. The Rambos, Dottie and her husband Buck, and their daughter Reba, went to Holland for a number of concerts. And she told the story, as she got off the plane one day, people met us and took us to a quaint little hotel. As we rode along, the young driver informed us that while we were there, we were not to sing about the cross of Christ. Dottie was shocked. She looked at the young man and asked, Do you mean that we are not allowed to sing about the cross to these Christians? He said, No, they consider it gory. They don't want to hear about the blood or the cross. Dottie was heartbroken. She wasn't going to be deterred. She looked at the young man. He was, she was old enough to be his mother and said, Son, if you won't tell them you told me this, then I will pretend not to know. Because I will be singing about the cross and about the blood of, cross, the, of, the blood of Christ. During the concert, the young man sat there and wondered what was going to happen. Dottie says, we sang the songs that tell of Christ's gifts of life to us and how he went to the cross in our place. As they sang those songs, people in the attendance started weeping. Even the man who sent the message that we were not to sing about the cross of Christ sat there weeping. We went back to the little hotel that evening and went to bed. Dottie says, I lay there in the darkness and began to weep. I said, God... I apologize that we wouldn't want to hear about the blood of Christ, his cross, and his grace. I really apologize. As she lay there heartbroken, the Lord began to give her a song. She woke up the next morning, took her instrument out, and discovered that the song had not been erased from her mind as she slept. She started writing these songs and singing it. I boast not of works or tell of good deeds, for not have I done to merit his grace. All glory and praise shall rest upon him, so willing to die in my place. I will glory in the cross, in the cross, lest his suffering all be in vain. I will weep no more for the cross that he bore. I will glory in the cross. Dottie was heard to say this statement. I asked the Lord to let me at least once a year, write a song that will speak to the hearts of Christians everywhere. And she claimed this verse in Galatians 6.14. But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. So, dear Christians, should we serve? Yes. Should we seek as Mary sought? Yes. Should we be careful not to survey as 
uh, uh, Judas did, yes. Make sure we're not trying to get things out of Jesus. Should we rest in the fact, as Lazarus did, that through Christ, hope is activated and hearts are fulfilled? Well, the Bible says in Psalm 1611, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Once we truly realize that we are made in Christ's image, we gain joy and peace that the world can't give us. We are created, created for Christ. And every time we try to find our fulfillment in earthly material things, we are left empty, are we not? However, in the hope of Christ, we are filled with abundant joy of His presence. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that the good news of the gospel? Doesn't that lift a load off our shoulders that the world tells us we have to carry? Doesn't that take our low self-esteem and our depression we may face when we compare ourselves to other people and tend to envy ourselves on something we seem not to have? But the Bible says that we are uniquely made in the image of God. And he formed us in his womb exactly how he wanted us to be. Genesis 1.20, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Isn't it easy sometimes to compare ourselves to other people? If I could just speak like him, if I could just preach like him, if I could just sing like her, if I could just teach like them, if, if I just had the mind to administrate like them, if, if I could just have that personality, things would be great. If, if I could just have that that coiffed hair, or if I could have that, that stature, or if I could have, uh, you name it. And Jesus says, well, am I not enough how I made you? Isn't okay? Why do you have to try to be a Martha or a Mary when I've created you to be a Lazarus? Tonight, maybe there's someone here that needs to rest in the fact that Jesus created us exactly like he wanted us. And we may not be the best servant in the world, but we can love Jesus and do our best. We may not be the most deeply uh, thinker like Mary who just hung on to every word of Jesus. We may just be a Lazarus. What are you known for, Lazarus? I don't know. I died. And God rose me from the grave. And I come to follow him, knowing that the Jews wanted to kill me. And I come anyways... And while I'm sitting there, these groups of people keep coming and getting saved. And they say, we want to see that man. And I'm sitting here saying, well, what did I do? I'm just Lazarus. And Jesus says, all I needed was a willing vessel. By the way, I'm not even going to ask you, Lazarus. I'm just going to use you. Folks, tonight, may we just be a Lazarus. Someone who's willing to give God our bumps and bruises, our warts, our imperfections, and say, God, I'm, I'm here, I'm me. And whatever you need to do, I don't care. I may not even be able to say anything or do anything, but I'm in my place, I'm faithful. I'm at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to use you. It might shock you at first. You may even quit breathing for a little bit. <laughs> but don't worry. I got you covered. And I'm going to use your life and use a miracle that I do on you. 
to transform many other lives. And they're going to believe on me because of what I'm going to do through your life. Maybe tonight there's a man or a woman who doesn't seem like they've done much for the Lord, but they've been faithful, they've given, commissions, they've helped love on a bus kid, they've they've helped change a diaper in a nursery, they've made sure that trash got to the dumpster, they got on their hands and knees and scrubbed the floor when there was a stain. They went over there when the toilet, when it, something happened in there. Bomb went off. And they put their gloves on and they held their nose with a, with a, 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 a clothespin and they went to work. No one was around. No one knew. But they did what they could. There were nobody. But God saw that and said, hey, I'm going to use that person. Maybe that's you tonight. And I say, God uses everyone. If he can use a Lazarus who did absolutely nothing, he can use you. And may God do great things through us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, tonight we come to you, just a simple, short message, Lord. And we see Lazarus who was secure in you. He found his identity in you. He wasn't known for a service. He wasn't known for sitting at your feet. He wasn't known for surveying. He was just known for what you did for him. He had no idea what you were going to do when he died. How you were going to raise him from the grave. How you were going to use his miracle, his life, to influence tens, maybe even hundreds, maybe even thousands. We don't know how many that came to Christ. In fact, it was so many that the Jewish leaders were worried that the Romans were going to come and and change everything. They, they thought they were going to lose everything because of one man's testimony. It was unbelievable. It was undeniable. And it was just a simple one. And Lord, tonight I believe there's a group of people here that are just simple people that have tried to allow you to use them. That's why they're here. And so I pray you'll use what they have to offer. May we not just be a, a, a righteous, uh, may we not just be a, a, a witness, Lord, but may we be, be a, a verbal one. May we talk, may we share our faith. But I pray that we'll learn tonight that you don't need anybody special. Lord, you use our gifts and talents, and you enable those. We understand that. But whether we are all thumbs or we are as smooth as silk, whether we're stutterers or whether we are amazing orators, whether we're just right in shape or whether we're out of shape, Lord, if we, do our, if we just give, us, give you our life and say, God, here I am. I can be faithful. I can be obedient. I can be in my place. Lord, just use me. I can give. I can serve. I can do whatever. Well, that's all you need from us. Lord, and thank you for, for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, I don't know how this message challenged one's heart, but maybe there's someone here today that's been living a life of never thinking they measure up. Never think they're good enough. Lord, I pray they'll rest in you. May people quit comparing tonight each other. May we just be who we are in you and just be a Lazarus and let you use us. We sure do love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you can stand to your feet, the piano is going to play. The invitation is given. If God has touched your heart, maybe you'd like to come and just pray with the Lord for a little bit. 
Maybe God's touched your heart tonight in some way. May we be a Lazarus. May we just allow you to use us. God to use us. May we be just, just fine with our identity in Christ. Maybe we're different than others. Maybe we look different, act different, but we, we, we have a heart for God and we just want to serve. That's what God wants. May we allow him to use us. forget when God called me to preach and I said God are you sure I doubted him for several years maybe you feel that way maybe God's been tugging on your heart for the next step of growth in your Christian walk I say when he calls he equips where he leads he feeds where he guides he provides and may we be willing to take that next step in our Christian walk as God would have us to do God bless you you may be seated And uh, we have just a quick video we want to share with you, uh, just some upcoming events, and then we'll be dismissed. We are excited to have our annual Teen Youth Explosion coming up this March 4th through 6th. It's an exciting event where our teens from our church and school go out and invite local teens from community public schools all around to attend three different night services. During those services, we have an exciting time where we give out thousands of dollars worth of prizes, exciting games, singing about the Lord, as well as a gospel presentation by Pastor Stuart Mason. This is an exciting event. We hope you can be a part of it, and we will need workers uh, to help. And also, if you would like to get towards this, we have special envelopes marked for Teen Youth Explosion. And uh, it does cost a lot of money, but it's an exciting event where hundreds and hundreds of teenagers will have the opportunity to hear a clear presentation of the gospel as well as a spiritual challenge. Join us next Sunday night at 5 p.m. for our Level Up Teaching and Training Modules. Come and choose two of the modules on various topics from the lineup. Don't miss this special time of training with something for every Christian. Don't miss the next Lady Service Ministry meeting on Wednesday, February 21st from 1 to 3 p.m. at the Forest Creek Park Lodge. There will be a potluck lunch, so bring a dish to share. We'll have a short devotion as well as a drawing for door prizes. Come join us as we work together to equip, encourage, and extend the work of Grandview. Here at Grandview, we have something for everyone. There will be a teen overtime activity this Wednesday, February 21st, during the 7 p.m. service following the Bible study. There will also be a young adult gap activity this Saturday, February 24th, with volleyball at 5 p.m., followed by ice cream at Salt and Straw. 
And the annual Awana Grand Prix is next Wednesday, February 28th. This June, we are planning on taking a missions trip to the country of Thailand. There is information on the welcome desk if you're interested, and also we have a limited amount of spots available. In order to hold your spot, you need to go online or in one of the offering envelopes and put in at least $100 minimum deposit to hold that spot. That is refundable until the time for the first payment in the end of March. If you're interested, please let me know so we can be in contact. It's going to be an exciting trip. Don't forget, information is on the welcome desk. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you'll receive a gift card. Have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday night at 7. Okay, well God bless you. Have a great week. You are dismissed.